Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the Kindle Award-winning novel, Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the Hotel series and Pretty Ugly. Joining me today, as always, is my Vox Vomitus vixen, Alison Martine, author of The Bourbon Books, which includes Dibs, Since September, and Move On Melinda. With us today, we have not just one, but two fantastic authors. We have Janina uh, Matthewson and Jeffrey Cranor uh, here to talk about their book, You Feel It Just Below the Ribs. And we might also talk about geese and ducks. Sure. You don't know. See, now I'm like setting the audience up. So they're like, ooh, I <laughs> they love should know by art. now. <laughs> that every interview, I'm like, do you have ducks in your yard? What is your wildlife situation like? Yeah, that's pretty much it. So welcome, Jeffrey and Janina to Vox Vomitus. Um, we'll start with Jeffrey first. Jeffrey, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll shoot over to Janina. Sure. I am a writer and podcaster. I live a couple hours north of New York City in the Hudson Valley. Um, yeah, I do. Most of my job is doing podcasting. So I do a, I do a, another podcast. Uh, I do a podcast called Welcome to Night Vale with my writing partner, Joseph Fink. And uh, Janina and I started working together on a podcast uh, within the wires, another fiction podcast, serial podcast uh, about six years ago. So uh, yeah, most of most of my my day to day life of of doing a job is podcasting and trying to write these books in the spare time. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> As fellow podcasters slash writers, we're like, yeah, yeah, it is a job. job. <laughs> <laughs> it's a job. Maybe the way they do it, Jen. Maybe the way I know. They do it. I'm like box vomitous and welcome to Night Vale. Not the not the same thing. <laughs> not in the same universe. It's together. almost not fair to call it a job. It's a really fun thing that I get to do. It's been a hobby for. 10 years now. So it's, uh, it's been great to be able to do it and, and pay rent with it. So that's been really nice. And I live yes. in the woods and I have deer and ducks and, uh, an occasional bear. I'm like, don't talk about that yet. Oh, save that gold. <laughs> I will save, save that, that gold. Save the gold. Yeah. We've got to work up to that. We've got to talk about the book first. Sure. And then <laughs> ducks and geese. Janina. <laughs> Yeah, transition I, ducks and geese. Janina. Yeah, we're <laughs> closely related. Um, <laughs> ducks, geese, and me. I mean, I'm from New Zealand, and all we have is birds, so that's appropriate. Um, yeah, and we I, also I, have the Lord of the Rings. I was to say, and hobbits. Do they count as birds? <laughs> we we have ducks, geese, and hobbits. <laughs> so, so Those are your exports. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a great name for a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Continue, Janina. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I'm from New Zealand. Uh, I live in London now. I've lived here for uh, 10 years. Uh, yeah, 10 years this year, which is weird. Um, I started writing. I mean, I've always played around in fiction. My background is in theater. And then I started writing <sighs> novels a few years oh, ago. I, I had um, control my, my face. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I um, wrote a novel a few years ago called um, Of Things Gone Astray. Uh, and then Jeffrey convinced me to get into podcasting. We started working on Within the Wise, and since then I've written written for a few different podcasts, including um, Murmurs and The Cipher for the BBC and um, Passenger List for Radiotopia. And, yeah, this book that we've just put out and other books that are yet to be finished and presumably one day will be. No reason to think that they won't. Just, like, but, cross your fingers. Yeah. No, it'll happen. <laughs> I'll say yeah. and- one of the things, the reason I would also say we are not in the same universe is 
Welcome to Night Vale and Within the Wires are, they're like radio dramas in many ways. These are scripted things. They're not just people talking and chatting, which is like, you have writers, you wrote something. You don't write anything. <laughs> Jen's still like, what do you mean you wrote notes for this? And I only wrote some notes because my brain is so kind of out of my head uh-huh. lately that if I didn't, I'd be like, what? what are we talking about? And that's not about the book. That's, that's just me. But yeah, that's a very different style of a podcast. And I think once people think podcast, they're like, Oh, so you sit and chat and other people are like, Oh no, you have this whole thing with where you did research and you created a story. And that's not what we do. It <laughs> no, does feel sometimes like a weirdly segmented thing where there are like, it's, 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 it feels like there are still an astonishing amount of people out there who are surprised by the concept of, like fiction podcasts and audio dramas in this medium and everyone who knows about them and is involved with them is like yeah uh it's huge it's a huge thing yeah and there are incredible advocates for it and i i have friends over here who just i feel like i feel like this is slowly degrading their sanity just the fact they can't get everyone to listen to fiction podcasts all the time (laughs) well i love fiction podcasts and i do feel like there is like three groups of podcasting there's fiction groups there's interview groups and then there's true crime. Yeah. Like just, yeah. I love that there's like they're separate. They're just completely <laughs> separate. Their own thing. <laughs> they're their own thing. I'm like fringe part of that own thing. So I'm like, I get it. I get well, that I'm there's saying, like a true crime welcome, stuff. Welcome to Night Vale is one of the first podcasts I heard of that was one like that, which made me think that's what all podcasts were. And when Jen first approached me to do a podcast, it wasn't this one. But again, I thought it was going to be something where we'd have to write. She's like, oh, no, no, we're going to do this. I'm like, oh, that's that's very different because I thought podcasts were all like that. So I guess it all kind of depends on what your first foray or introduction is. And then you get set in that and you're like, nope, it's all got to fit in this one category. Yeah. Yeah. I had that same response when Joseph approached me about doing Welcome to Nightville, like way back when, because I listened to a lot of podcasts like in 2011. But back then, it was just most of them were chat shows or journal, mm-hmm. you know, like um, yeah, NPR, BBC, whatever extensions yeah, yeah. of media. Yeah. And this American Life, that this, introductory podcast for that's right. all white men. <laughs> it's podcasting. That's right. Um, the, this American Life and uh, WTF with Mark Maron, of course. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Which we, are both great. That is not a dig. <laughs> we are not, not a dig. We're not throwing them under yeah. the... That's podcasting right. bots. That's right. Good podcast. We're in and this feels like those were the first, you know, that those are Jonah's podcasts. That's his heart. <laughs> That's how he imprinted this American like life a baby WTF. goose. Exactly. <laughs> imprinted on this American life. <laughs> but yeah, I had that same response where I was like, I don't I don't know how this welcome to Nightville thing works because this is not how people do podcasts. Um, well, I remember yeah. a million years ago I was in a, an actual radio drama. Because I, too, am a theater person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a professor who worked for NPR. And he was like, oh, we're doing like a radio drama. And we just need like background actors. And I'm like, do people still listen to radio dramas? But this was a long time ago. It was the early 2000s. Yeah, that's ancient. It's ancient. I know. Back radio like- drama has never left the UK. I was only as an outsider moving here i was i was only aware of it as something that you sometimes saw on a tv show where you would see like someone playing around with coconut shells and that was the joke is that they were making radio (laughs) in person foley and then over here it's like there is like there is a soap have you guys heard of the arches no. no, The Arches is a radio drama soap opera that has been in the UK for if like for ever and ever and ever, and it plays I think every day. And then on sun- Sunday there's an omnibus where they play the whole week's worth. And 
British Twitter goes mad when it's on. Like they, everyone listens to it and everyone has always listened to it. And it's not, it's not the only radio drama. It's just like the biggest one that cuts through. It's like the, the Coronation Street of radio. It's, or the, um, I don't know what the American equivalent would be. Like, um, General Hospital, f- yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah. yeah. But we don't, we don't have radio dramas over here to that same extent. And mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, think no, that- we don't have them in New Zealand. It's just not really a thing. So it's, it's really interesting because my intro into radio drama was through podcasts more than radio, and then I've worked in audio drama here, where everyone's background is that they've always been here. We've been listening to the Archers forever, and I'm like, oh, I like my my idea of what it can be and what it is is so different because I haven't had that sort of background. It's interesting. I like that you said British Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I got stuck there. I'm like, mm-hmm. British Twitter. <laughs> British Twitter sounds so much better than just regular Twitter. Yeah, you're barely on regular Twitter. I know, but every time I go on regular Twitter, I just like look up crimes, mm. which is probably why it seems very negative to me. Right. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Well, and I was going to say, so I got into... A little bit of a tiff with my husband because when I told him, because okay, this is this is partially Jen's fault because when she said, "Oh, we might get this book on the show later," and I was told it's by the Welcome to Night Vale people, and technically one of you is, and one, one of you is part of, you're part of a different podcast, and so he's like, "Well, you need to do research and you need to be looking into all this stuff," and I'm like, "I'm not sure it's even related to Welcome to Night Vale." So well, you should look. I'm like, I'd like to read the book first. Well, you should do your. Re- I- I will do it my way. Leave me alone. <laughs> and then, of course, I get to the end and the after notes tell us that, yes, this is part of the Within the Wires series, which then, you know, he's like, sorry. And, and <laughs> he, he had no idea what he was talking about. But I think. But this is because your husband is a big welcome to Night Vale fan. He, he is. And so he was super excited that it was something that instead of a book that he's like, I'm never going to read that. You can tell me about it, but I'm not going to be listening. He was actually intrigued and was like, so tell me about this book. <laughs> oh, you should go do your research. And I, I would have been researching the wrong fictional universe. So is everything within, this is going to sound silly, within, within the wires, is it all this kind of found footage or found manuscript way of doing things? Or is that unique to this book? Yeah, it is. The um, the whole, so with the for people who don't know the world, basically Within the Wires is an anthology podcast. Every season is a completely different story, but they're all set in the same universe, alternate 20th century. Um, that's had a different history to ours. And um, the book, You Feel I Just Below the Ribs, is another story set in the same universe, but set completely aside. Um, and the podcast got started. Jeffrey approached me to, to work and the, all that he had at this point was, I want to tell a story via relaxation cassettes. Um, oh, I love, oh I love that and that sort of is where everything started yeah so we we started doing my notes by the way when I have ideas for I want to do something like I was looking at my note sheet the other day and it was just like one of the lines was Tower of Babel but not only makes sense yeah. to you I have so many things like and that stop. and then you come yeah. to it later and you're like what did I mean by that and it's maybe a one in ten chance that I actually remember what the heck I was talking that's about that's right I don't yeah, it's that. so I don't it's so much. Yeah, it's uh we we d- in each season of the podcast we do another form of found audio. So the second season was told through a decade's worth of museum audio guides, and it nice. kind of tells the story oh. of a missing woman. And then the third season was like uh like fifties and sixties like dictaphone recordings from a bureaucrat to their secretary. 
And uh, so we As just kind of keep playing to, to, to actually transcribe things like that from my past legal days and going, I would hate that, but love it, but also kind of hate it because I would be like, "Do I <laughs> would have you get like PTSD about it?" Yeah. Like, oh I my gosh! Start going because for people who've done transcription, my foot would be going on the pedal, and I would probably be doing that like, "Oh, it went too fast. Stop! Take your foot off the pedal." Like I'm mm-hmm. sewing something, like my sanity. Uh, trans- <laughs> I did transcription many, many years ago for uh, a theater project, and they had done a bunch of interviews with people, and then we were trying, we were transcribing them. This is like prior to decent uh audio transcription software to get you started but i uh the thing about transcribing anything that happens on within the wires is at least it's all been tailored and people are speaking in mostly complete sentences and (laughs) about transcribing (laughs) actual talk yeah talk yeah Yeah. talking over each other i I, mumbling incomplete sentences uh, not real words yeah Yeah. i i worked years ago for a woman who was getting her her doctorate and there were a lot of interviews that i was transcribing and some of the people had such thick accents that i was just like i'm gonna need a pronunciation guide to even get started because i got nothing and i know one of them i had to eventually just go I, I can't understand anything he's saying i can speed it up i can slow it down but it is not becoming english so i give yeah. up <laughs> I've, I've had to do like not actually writing subtitles but checking subtitles for people oh, yeah. with um with various northern english accents and um i keep having to call my partner who is from lancashire in the north through to like just check what they're saying and uh, how you spell it because it's not a word in any other part of the world um and even he sometimes okay. struggles to, to figure it out. <laughs> well, well, I, 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 have, I don't feel like I have a lot to add to this other than once I played a court stenographer in a play. <laughs> oh, this is you. Did you, did it, you? It literally was. It was like I had two lines in the, and it was a courtroom drama. So the entire show, I was just like, mm-hmm. Where and every once in a while, they'd, have, they'd say, repeat that back to me. And I'd have and to you like, would. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's all. Whereas, I whereas when I when I was a lawyer, I got yelled at by a lot of court stenographers. Slow down. <laughs> and then, like a minute or two later, would you please slow down? They didn't like me very much. Mm. <laughs> no, so, but I, I was oh. laughing, Janina, that you were talking about the North because until a friend tweeted it recently, I kind of forget because we Americans we forget how kind of segmented the UK can be and accents different and just even people groups different that being from the north was seen as like oh this is almost an unrepresented part like within getting an agent or being published like oh this part isn't represented i'm like you guys are all united king oh i guess no yes you're not but yeah, i, I no, laughed it's- she said from the north and i'm like but this is not a game of thrones reference because most of us in america <laughs> would be like the north remembers and uh-huh. that's not what she meant at all i mean they all do like uh sean bean is doing a good yorkshire accent in there i think uh but it is it's real it's a it's a the the class issues in this country are just it's a lot it's a lot and a lot of like the locational stuff is a huge part of that like it's only really recently like in the last maybe decade or so that um there have been tv presenters who are allowed to have rural accents like for mm-hmm. most of history you would have to have it trained out of you you'd be trained to speak in rp which is sort of like your Downton Abbey, posh, British, round, but generic accent. Yeah. Random um, England. Yeah. What I yeah. always call it. Random, yeah. random fancy England. Um, and random unfancy England is like some sort of vague cockney. It's like a chimney. Yeah. yeah. 
it's but just... yeah, and it's it's. I when I went to when I, I I went to drama school and we had it drilled into us that if if we were, if we had to do an American accent, we could kind of fudge it a little. Like you could do like there are the there are the super specific ones. There's a Brooklyn, you know. There's a Boston. There's a Southern, and there's all of that. And then there's standard American, and it's probably fine. But if you are doing any kind of British accent, you need to know what street you have come from. Because it's, it's, it's so, like, the differences are so um, specific. Yeah, they're and very marked. Yeah. Very yeah. marked. It's really, really interesting. And I think it's just because this country is so old. And unlike New Zealand or unlike America, it, it developed in a time when people didn't leave home. They grew yeah. up and they stayed where they were and they lived and they married and they died. And so you got all these really concentrated bursts of culture. Um, that that I kind of feel unique now, and I don't know if it will last because obviously part of a global world is that everyone moves around so much more mm-hmm. than they used to. But yeah, it is. It, there are a lot of wild accents. Um, I've learned this by watching the Great British Baking Show. That mm-hmm. some of <laughs> some of the people from Northern England they subtitle everything because even oh, yeah. even like yes. nobody can understand them. I'm like, mm-hmm. What did she say about the biscuits? Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't even know. But I love it, and then I try as like a dorky ex theater performer try to like do those accents, and then I'm like, nope, 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 that's insulting nope. to everybody. Yeah, no, I was just doing I'm, them in my bedroom. I was in so. a production of Jania once, and it took me basically until production week to really feel like I could do anything resembling the Yorkshire accent I was supposed to have. Perfect. It's they're all hard, and they're all like you've got to be accurate. It's stressful. Well, and I think the first time I kind of learned that the accents would vary is I was remember reading some notes for the production of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that we're not judging you. No, we're not. But (laughs) but that the man who played Spike, James Marsters, who is an American, was being taught by Anthony Stewart Head how to sound by sounding like how Anthony Stewart Head really talks because how Anthony Stewart Head was on the show was not how he really talks because he was told not to use that accent because it wasn't like seen as academic or anything enough so he needed to take on a fancier accent but of course you know the guy who's playing the billy idol wannabe could sound like that so I'm like, yeah hmm, it's fascinating it's, i think that, that was also going on with um i don't know if you guys watch preacher yes i have yeah. i'd seen i think part of the first season i'm so far behind on so much of my tv mm-hmm. i read the graphic novels yes yeah is english um, and then Ruth Nager, who plays someone from Texas, is Irish. Yes. So it was. So he was playing Irish, and she was playing American. And yeah, I think this, a similar thing was happening there. <laughs> so I have to ask: You are in London, formerly from New Zealand, Jeffrey. You're in the United States. How did your creative partnership start? How did you guys meet? Was it just like how did this happen? Because uh-huh. obviously, you you've developed an incredible working relationship. Tinder for podcasters. Yeah, uh, it was well, oh, it was Twitter Twitter stalking basically. <laughs> it was uh, that's how we yeah. get most of our guests. <laughs> I did. Uh, Janina wrote this book here uh, called "Of Things Gone Astray" uh, back beautiful. in 2015. No, when did you write this? Twenty great cover. I'm so so long now, and I still get like shivers about that cover. I was in Amherst, Massachusetts at a little indie bookstore and it was sitting out and, uh, you know, on the staff recommends table. And I was like, cool cover. And I just read the first few pages and it's like, this sounds awesome. I'll just buy it. And we, 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 we were leaving on tour, uh, soon after that for Night Vale, uh, for live show tours. And I just read it in the tour van, um, over the next week or two. And, uh, yeah, I really liked it. And I, 
And then I the tweeted, stalking began. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> it was kind of one of those things where I, I was like, this is really great. And I, I just, I tweeted a photo of me reading it. And I had this, like, somebody on the tour had given me this, like, handmade, like, little lace uh, bookmark that, with the Night Vale logo on it. So I had that in the book. I tweeted it, and Janina saw it uh, through. I think your, I think your partner, Jamie, my my youngest sister saw oh. it on your Tumblr. I think and made, and texted me. I was like, this is wild. Have you seen this? Um, and I was like, oh my god, that's amazing. And then we yeah followed each other on Twitter and and I like I usually follow people if I read their book and it's like oh I like this book and I'll just go yeah. find them on Twitter and follow them. And um, Janina and I started talking through that. And then when I realized she lived. In London, uh, we were we came later that year to London to do a show, so I invited her, and she seemed like a really um, like a very easy person to talk to, like not a slasher killer at all. <laughs> yeah, and, um, not even a she passed the like, oh, is this person a psycho? <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. Uh, yeah, and she obviously writes really well, and I was just wanting to get within the wires off the ground, so and I really wanted somebody else to work with, so um, yeah, so I just asked her, and she's like, sure. Oh my gosh, I oh, love yeah. that. That's a much fancier way of meeting each other when allison and i met i pitched her an adam driver based podcast where we were just going to rewatch all of girls but pretend every episode starred just adam driver i mean right now we just send each other adam driver memes all the time so it's yeah. kind of the same thing kind of basically it's the same meet cute story that you guys have <laughs> yeah basically it's, exactly it's basically the same. the same except they've actually gotten to meet jen and they were on different continents what's our excuse I will be in California in January. You live in San Francisco. I'm in Orange. That's like, it might as well still be a different state. Mm. I know. I live in New England. So, like, all of our states are just so close to each other. That, like, you know, yeah. Can, you as do opposed not understand to, how big California is. As opposed well, I know, to, like, getting to Orange County from, like, Santa Monica is, like, driving from Maine to New York. Don't, yeah. don't yeah. bring that up. I was just there. That's where my, my dad lives in Culver City, bordering on Santa Monica. And okay. And even just doing that for Thanksgiving part oh. due on Sunday was just, like, why are our freeways? Why are why cars? Are free? Why are cars? Can't we just zap ourselves there? Yeah, mm -hmm. my, my sister lived just by Paramount Studios, and then she moved to Texas. So I'm like, I don't have to drive to L.A. anymore, although I don't get to see her anymore. And then he went and moved to L.A. from Anaheim. I'm like, what are you guys doing to me? <laughs> Why? Sorry, I'll stop complaining about the traffic down here. I'm sure you uh, have nothing like, Jeanine is like, we don't even have cars in London. <laughs> oh, traffic is so bad in London that I'm terrified of the idea of ever driving here. Yeah, um, just don't. Just yeah, don't. no. No, driving is just terrifying no matter where you are because sometimes I mean, there's snow. I love I animals. love driving and I miss driving. I miss living in a city where it makes sense to drive because Christchurch is like small and flat and um it, it, the public transport isn't great. So like you drive everywhere and I miss that freedom because now I have to like check train times and mm. hope that nothing is delayed and stand near strangers who are refusing to wear masks and I just would much rather it's easier to not bubble. leave your home. Roll up your window. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just okay. like, just be a shut-in. Yeah. <laughs> That's you, Jen. It's like, I'm never leaving my house. You, know? <laughs> you can do what I did and just like move to rural New England. Yes, but then when, you need to get, when you need to go places and it's supposed to rain, it ends up snowing and it goes badly for you. So I did. Yeah. I, we were stuck in a ditch. In two inches of snow. Thank you very much. Because oh, my goodness. Two we inches. We didn't get our snow tires yet. For everybody who's watching this now, people sure. are like, "Oh, okay, Jennifer. I see. <laughs> You've lived in New England almost your entire life. You should know better." <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't learn. 
I, think, I swear I had like four pages of notes on this book. At some point I have questions about it, but I, then we just keep talking about other stuff. But So I will <laughs> say about this book, uh, I, I read part of it out loud to my husband and wept openly. Uh, it was astounding. It was gorgeous prose, hard to read mm-hmm. on just a fundamental level. Not on a difficult. Not in a difficult. Like, oh, the mechanics no, like, of the sentence the are problematic. Are hard like and I don't understand what's happening. No, no not like that. No, no, like no. emotionally, it was hard to read, and I love. Mm-hmm. I look for that in the book. Like I want to be devastated when it's done, and devastated <laughs> oh. throughout. <laughs> so, Mission accomplished. So thank you for creating yeah. like a forty-year apocalypse in your world <laughs> that I got to like vicariously live through. <laughs> Well, thank you. That's very, very nice. You're like, that's nice. It is a compliment. It is a compliment. In our our book, it's a compliment. Yeah. It's fun to work in an industry where it's a compliment when someone comes up to you and says, you broke my heart. I know. Or like, you're your, welcome. Your book made me want to kill myself. And, I'm like, <laughs> but, and then they go, in a good way. Oh, my. Like, okay. okay. I just don't want to be sued by your family at this point in time. <laughs> Well, I think one of the things that I just really loved about this book is it was both a commentary on and the found manuscript. So I, some of the half my notes are actually from the footnotes because for anybody who hasn't read it, this is this found manuscript of this person who they're like, oh, she was this person who was important in this society in this way. Okay. Jen is giving a demonstration. And there's footnotes. Yeah. Yeah. Do not be scared of the footnotes because they're not any harder to read, but it's also like, whoever is publishing the book it's like the, the publisher is a character in the book which was a really interesting way to i don't think i've ever read something like that where it's like the publisher is a character and commenting on whether or not they even should have published the book and whether what they're even publishing is valid or yeah. true mm-hmm. and why people should be reading it and why they shouldn't be reading it which was just so cool <laughs> like the whole was- way through i was like ah it was really fun to when we started talking about making the book. Uh, yeah, I was uh, Janina, you know, talked about this idea of like having this like meta narrator that's, you know, kind of introducing the book, footnoting it. And I thought that was pretty cool. And then once I kind of sort of saw how she ha- she started writing out the intro and the first footnotes and uh, kind of laid down the first track, basically, I was like, oh, now I, now I get this. Now beat. I, I, get this. This is, I was this wondering really cool. if there was one person in charge of footnotes. I would definitely say Janina was was in charge of footnotes. She is um, queen of footnotes. Janina is like, yeah, that was me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, I it was, was a bit, re- I was a bit worried that Jeffrey was just uh, indulging me for a while, <laughs> and then it would be published, and really the footnotes insistent. wouldn't be there at all. Oh, <laughs> I don't, well, no, no, I, that's weird. <laughs> Both I thought he was secretly like, oh, uh, I'm not sure, and I'm like, just, sure, but, footnotes uh, sound. But great, I can be Janina. a bit of a, a steamroller sometimes. Uh, and, but, and I was pretty insistent about them. <laughs> we will have them. <laughs> They're really great. But, um, it's, a, it's one of those things that I think is difficult to um, explain. Like when you see something in your mind and you, you feel like you know how it's going to work, but it's difficult to explain to someone else without just doing it. So, yeah, yeah when, mm-hmm. when we wrote that first, we wrote like the first five-ish, six maybe chapters for the proposal with, a bu- with the first section of footnotes. And once we had that much of the book done, I think yeah, it was it was a lot clearer uh, what I had what I had been thinking. Why and, you want and trying and failing yeah. to communicate? <laughs> You're like, trust me, it'll be good. It's just a thing, <laughs> like the feel, the whole bit of it. 
okay. And sure. oddly, for proposals, they need more than that. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you could just like tell them your feelings about your ideas. And they would can win, I think you can when you're Stephen King. So yeah, I was gonna say, um, once you, you get, get to a certain point, point you go. Then, I've just got this idea where it's the Tower of Babel without the Babel. Yeah. yeah don't, and then they don't go, worry about it. Perfect. I think, yeah, 20 minutes later, you check your bank account and you see that you deposit for your, for your advance. And, and yeah. then you're like, hmm, how do I make Great. this a book? <laughs> yeah. I think Stephen King just has this, has a private email address that when he's done writing his book, he just sends it and it automatically goes to press. Yeah. Like he's that that may explain like, a few of the things I've read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to make that face for people just watching the uh, listening to the no. audio allison made like one of those emoji faces which was like and i'm just gonna make the face too and you're not gonna know it. it's like that it's, it's, a, it's a grimace a little bit mm. and not it's the a grimace guy from mcdonald's like the actual grimace mm. <laughs> and there was one with an alligator i'm not really I still not really. Look, he's written like a thousand books. They can't all. Yeah, no, I I got them. It was one where it was a short story set, and I didn't realize that. So it was it was two short stories or mini novellas. I'm not really sure because when you listen to it, it's sometimes hard to gauge how long they actually would have been. But one one involves like an alligator or a crocodile, and I'm still kind of confused by that one. So it's all right. He trained a dog, (laughs) and there was an alligator. (laughs) Kind of thing that probably wouldn't get picked up in Pit Mad for everybody who's pitching tomorrow. Good luck, guys. Okay, tomorrow's Pit Mad. Good luck, everyone who's watching this live. Yeah. But again, one of those concepts where when you're Stephen King, you can get away with it, and the rest of us are like... You can say an alligator homeschools his kids, and then... That's a picture book, Jen. You know, or is it... Who knows? If you're Stephen King, you can make it into anything. Well, and one of the things that I loved about this book, as far as like this whole idea of it's this found manuscript and there's this society. And through this, you're introducing the reader, like those of us who knew nothing about within the wires, we're learning about the society almost in this backwards way of this is how it is now. And of course, you're used to how it is now. But as the reader, we aren't. But they're taking it under like supposition that we did know how it was because the reader isn't really supposed to be us, but readers in this society. So it was all these kind of meta meta ideas that I just loved. And I loved reading that because then it, it really felt like I was in the society. And I don't think I've yeah. ever read a book where I'm like, I feel like I'm part of this different audience that I'm not really part of. I don't know if any of that made sense. It makes sense in my <laughs> No, it does. And like, great, great. That's great news. Because that's, that's, like, that's well, what you're going for. Yeah. yeah, and it is difficult, I think, because we're writing in a world that is established for some people, but not at all for others. Right. You want to be able to um, balance that where it's not going to be alienating for people who, who don't, who haven't listened to the podcast, and it's not going to be like pant babyish for, for people yeah. who have. We we're like, come on, we know stuff. this. Yeah. yeah, you do a really good job of not dumbing anything down, mm-hmm. but making it very accessible. And I will say the moment that I knew I was completely hooked into the world was in a footnote when it just said, former United States. Mm-hmm. And just that made me go, I'm there. Like, whatever's <laughs> happening, like I see it because it's early on. It's like an early footnote where it's just like a throw a throwaway line, former United States blah, 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 former United States. And I'm like, <gasps> what happened to us? <laughs> What's going on? And then later on, there's like former Canada. And I'm like, oh, I love it. Well, and, and I know that for me, part of it also, at the very beginning, when I was still kind of putting the picture together of the society, I was doing these, these little 
comparison notes of, okay, if it was around this time, what was happening in ours? And what was that point of divergence? And, and where, where did our, our society veer from their society? Like where, how far back would we have had to go to find that commonality where they veered onto their timeline and we veered onto ours? And I was trying to figure that out. Were we to something like that? And, you know, there wasn't any one little thing, but the further I got along, I stopped caring about that. And I was just completely engrossed in this thing. And so I don't, I don't know how much you want us to talk about some of the things that happen, like the age 10 protocols. Like, I don't want to say some of that stuff, but I will say what is, I'm going to blame Jen because she's, she's oh, done a lot of our, I'm blaming you because you, you're the one who usually finds our guests. We I'm like, well, that we long ago. <laughs> Though I also loved uh, Monica Burns, the actual star, nothing like your book in 99% of ways, but culturally there was a similar phenomena going on here and i'm what, like what are you people all doing to us where society is basically being told to change a very fundamental part of not just how current society is but basically society from its inception when we were cave people on as far as how interpersonal dynamics work i'll say no more you you guys probably know what i'm talking about <laughs> people listening might be like it's coca-cola i swear the audience is thinking weren't we supposed to talk about geese (laughs) (laughs) there was a bear in there it symbolizes mother russia russia has nothing to do with this book we had a yeah this kind of like basic one of the basic tenets of of this like tenet new society that forms out of the great reckoning which as you mentioned allison like there's no like single point Mm -hmm. in which the timeline veers off from our actual 20th century real world timeline. We didn't want to focus on one event like, but if World War One happened uh, differently or what if <laughs> right. it didn't happen, you know, we didn't want and to do like that. there was a plague time. on top of it. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, you had a lot of like things happening kind of at the same time. It was like, yeah. there were wars, there were natural disasters, there was... There was a volcano? There was a volcano, there was a big flu. That You yeah, know, there were so many things that just kind of co-mingled together to create this 40 years of awful. Yeah. Of decimating oh. like the world population basically yeah. and, and people having to start over and, and start over from scratch. And I, I think so much of the book deals with, uh, it deals with like the, it deals pretty directly with the two narrators with like how valid memory is and what truth is because mm-hmm. it, you know, you have two different competing, uh, unreliable narrators but i think it also i think it also deals with like uh like how far we're willing to go to to reestablish our lives you know and the, uh, you know the 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 without getting too much into like the specific plots of the book but there there are some like fundamental changes to how humanity lives its life and 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 part of that you know comes through people willingly subscribing to a new society a new way of living uh simply so that they can build their world back together and Miriam our our narrator sort of you know develops a process that gets used uh to help this along and it, no. it begs yeah it begs the question of like how much <laughs> oh, yeah, how much I was going to start shouting yeah but I I know Janina has her headphones on four so it would be <laughs> fine if I was like well feel like she had good intentions <laughs> yeah and well and good intentions versus bad use too you know yes like, uh, oh um, yeah you know those, I, those things too i feel like a lot of this book very much kind of parallels things that we are going through slash not going through right now or feeling and not feeling about um 
the world we live in. Obviously, we're all living in a COVID world right now. So we have like this strange affinity for what if the world ends? What would we do? Mm-hmm. Like we, we've all in the past two years had these thoughts of like, what is happening to us? And I feel like you both created like this amazing world and this amazing novel that explores this, explores some of the darker and the lighter aspects of that. Cause there is joy in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and love. And it made me really miss Europe. Yeah. <laughs> just being able to go places even though they in your world decimated by bombs and sure natural but disasters. To find some bombed out farmhouse and just i really did want to do that like my <laughs> love of abandoned fun. buildings and mm-hmm. europe made me go kind of my dream vacation yeah, and right potatoes. yeah in rural belgium <laughs> yeah. sure yeah. Yeah. well and i had a question and again I, I have no idea if this was intentional or if this was one of those things where you were just supposed to let the reader make of it what they will, but the predominance of female characters in this and that how that factored into some of the changes in society, was that was that an intentional thing or was that just a, yeah, we like this character and she is that way and it just ha- so happens that that's, that's uh, how you wrote the characters or was that an intentional societal change? Because I'm trying to think there were maybe two three maybe maybe three men in the whole book but i mean didn't yeah. a lot of them die in war well <laughs> yes well, i think probably all women yes, like two, I, think, I think they started churning through male soldiers fast enough to start having women out there too i think um, i shouldn't have laughed at that i'm sorry <laughs> no, that was i terrible. mean these are fictional <laughs> men and women it's okay that they died <laughs> um, <laughs> it's fine that they're dead fictional yeah. casualties that's my band we have, from the start of the podcast, just urged towards m- mainly women, um, or, uh, at least not cis men. One of our, one of our lead characters is a trans man in the podcast. Um, but the only cis man who features is in our Patreon only season, which Jeffrey performs. Um, and that's just because we wanted Jeffrey to perform it. <laughs> we need um, Jeffrey to do something. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to hire an actor for the Patreon. It's easier if we can just do everything ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you want to get paid nothing but make <laughs> us a little bit of money? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think when we first started, uh, you know, Jeffrey coming off Welcome to Night Vale, which centers around Cecil and to a lesser extent Carlos. And he was like, I've written, I've been writing about a man for a while maybe we should center this around women and which I was totally on board with. Um, so we've always just kept things a little bit female centric, um, because which I really loved, like, you know, to me, I was just like, Oh, it's just so great to like read all of these incredibly powerful women. I loved that sexuality wasn't even like, I don't want to say it didn't play a part in it. It was just like, given that you just like are with people. Yeah, well, I think there that, was no like, like I'm a lesbian scientist. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that was the original title of really the novel. The original title of there, you feel it just below the ribs was "I'm a lesbian scientist!" Mm. Exclamation mark! And it was a musical. <laughs> <laughs> Little known fact: <laughs> it was a big tap number, but we had to tap. Oh, big tap! Yeah, a Tim Wood scene. But yeah, I think there's there's like the two stories there, which is the story of like us as writers. We're like. We, we want to write about a world where there are lots of women being great and where there's not super huge amounts of bigotry towards queer people, people of color or anything. And then there's the world of the, the 
universe, which is there was a massive cultural reset and everyone kind of started from scratch. Um, and because that starting from scratch involved deliberately dismantling the idea of a family unit, the patriarchy became a less dominant thing. So it's just, yeah, this is, it's, it's, it's not a, it's, there's a lot wrong with this world. There's a lot of stuff that goes on there that is <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not great. Yeah. This is not a utopia. But no, there are moments that you think, even like when you're reading those footnotes, at least I did, I was like, that could have been a perfect world. <laughs> but so could ours. And I think uh-huh. that's the point. And I think that that's what we, um, what we sort of arrived at. Like we didn't set out to write dystopian fiction. We didn't set out to write utopian fiction. But depending on what part of this world a particular story zeroes in on mm-hmm. it can seem like either of those things and i think that that is true of the real world too like there's definitely people who are living in essentially in utopias and there's a huge amount of people who are absolutely not who we are um, not we're like, yeah. <laughs> maybe eventually if we can get some things straightened out we might get to that but uh right now not so much yeah it's nice to it's nice to think that it's possible that we could <laughs> yeah we strive for that. Yes. So okay, so these these books. This is this the first book that's been written in this universe. Yeah, this is the first book. Are there, yeah. are there more coming? Are you working on more for us? If if, if they uh, want uh, us uh, to do uh, another, we we would uh, be delighted to do another. We don't have a specific you, idea for one yet. We haven't talked <laughs> that through yet. Tower of um, Babel, but mm-hmm. not Babel. <laughs> yep. Tower of Babel, but not yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we still we still really like um, telling stories in this world, so we're definitely open to doing more. Yeah, what it's really I... it's really fun to sit because the, the the great conceit about within the wires that I've really enjoyed. I enjoy writing Night Vale and the Night Vale novels as well too. One of the 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 big difference is that you know when we write a Welcome to Night Vale novel, the the show's been going on ten years and we have a whole cast of characters that. Are constantly growing and changing and so you kind of already know who those people are so if i sit down with joseph to write a welcome to nightville novel I get to explore a character that's already been fleshed out and i get to have a do a little bit more with them when, when janina and i wrote this book we've been doing within the wires for five years four years at the time when we started and it was um but still a brand new thing like some of the details of the great reckoning and some of the specific historical things but like every character in this book is brand new um, you know, the whole entire storyline is there's, I was going to ask about one of them. I didn't know if I was allowed to. The one, the one who they keep seeing in the footnotes, we aren't sure if they're referencing this person, but if they are, that doesn't sound anything like her, which I just <laughs> love. Um, yes. Especially because your narrator never gives her last name. So like, mm-hmm. you think that she means this, but that can't be right because she would never. Well, yeah. I love that. Like, oh, you're, we're reading a book with two unreliable narrators, mm-hmm. and you can trust each of them only to a certain extent. And <laughs> yeah, as far as you can throw them, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I'm weak. Really I can't throw book. anybody. Yeah, no, yeah. me too. I'm a bad. bad. <laughs> I'm like, I've got no upper body strength, so that just tells you what we need to know <laughs> about can, these narrators. I can throw my kids like from this onto a bed, and that's even sure. that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Small. I can I can put my dog onto a couch, but I wouldn't throw him because he's <laughs> delicate. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be like totally thrown off. So, so is that character who shall remain unnamed? Is she? Does she factor into any place else, or was this her first introduction? This is her first appearance. Yeah, there might. Yeah, I was I wondering if like those would be people that if I had listened to the other stuff beforehand, I'd be like, 
oh, oh, with who this character is, if that was... I know, I kind of thought that maybe one of the the characters that ends up having not a great ending, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know if, like, that character i'm not even gonna like gender them because i, I want to be so spoilerless uh-huh and well there are at least I, three like, that come Allison, to mind i feel like you know it. who i'm talking about <laughs> well is it the one like, you mentioned earlier that like what happened to so-and-so oh that one okay yeah i know who you've gone yeah 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 so like we didn't know if there any of these were like easter eggs for your form for the people who like listen to the podcast or and we just didn't fans instead of movies or like that. are they going to maybe come back in a podcast season that could center around them not if they didn't enter a good de- well i guess it could be, <laughs> yeah you know, a lot of it hey, is just like referential you know like it'll yeah. be there's probably a couple of foot you know not remembering every footnote but the there's probably a couple moments in footnotes from in this novel that maybe reference some political figure that gets referenced mm-hmm. in a in a season, but it's never like there's no major character of any of, yeah. of any of the podcast seasons and um, mentioned here. There's an institute that's not a spoiler because it's mentioned in the intro, but there mm-hmm. is an institute that that plays a big part in this book that is um, kind of is the setting of season one of of within the wires the podcast, um, but it's again like there's those connections there uh but but characters no we didn't yeah we we really it's really fun to be able to just totally hit the reset button every time we start Um, a new story yeah so we tend to kick characters when even throughout the podcast and in the book characters if a character is going to make multiple appearances most the vast majority of the time they're not going to be central in both of those like they'll be mentioned in a throwaway line um just Rather to kind of than, connect it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, partly because everything is always set in vastly different time periods. You know, right. like season one was in the 80s, and then we went to sort of through through the from the 60s to the 70s, and then um, 50s and nine, 90s, I think season four was 90s. Sure. Um, and then <laughs> yeah. obviously... You could just pow- powerfully just be like season four was the 90s. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, then obviously... I'm not to correct you yet, so you're fine. Yeah. The book obviously starts um, right at the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, so, so so they're not they're not inhabiting each other's worlds right. so much. They're, they're trotting through on a case. Right, and you've created a, a world that spans continents and decades, so you can totally do that because you're like, you know, we could do something that's set in this country over here or the former this country over here in this decade, and nothing we've touched has ever gotten anywhere near it, and you could do a whole new story there and not worry about too much other than like stay with the same tenets that you've set forward, but not worry about like, oh no, we have to worry about where Miriam is right now. She's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's fine. She's writing her book. She's in like wherever <laughs> she is. She's writing oh, another deeply boring uh, book. <laughs> her sixth deeply boring book, which I loved. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I Miriam? <laughs> her books um, were academic. Yours are yeah. not. <laughs> Mine are not. Mine Yours have no not. academic qualifications. <laughs> um, Jeffrey, Janina, I just want to thank you both. And obviously thank you, Allison, for being here. We are out of time. So it's I want to thank delight. It was an absolute a delight. delight. I don't feel like we've been called a delight. I think we've right. been called like funny and the kind of crazy that's good. <laughs> you're like, I'll take that as a compliment, but a delight. Oh, that I have like a pastry. bachelor's degree. I am 
I am uh, well. Use all those fancy words. Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm like me too, but mine was in theater. No, I'm <laughs> super qualified. <laughs> mine was in journalism, and I've never used it. Hey, you're <laughs> on oh my gosh! Phone right now. You are completely using that. You're oh, using I guess it. So. You're yeah, using it. You're a journalist. You've listened to NPR. That's right. I've listened <laughs> so to This American it? Life. I yeah. know who Tori Malatia is. <laughs> Perfect. Those are the qualifications. So thank you both for being here. Thank you, Allison. Thank you to everybody at the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you to Pam Stack, our executive producer, Roman Saratin, our producer. Join us next week on Wednesday when we have, I'm going to mispronounce her last name, Tara Laskowski. And she'll be here talking about her new book, The Mother Next Door. Thank you all and have a great night.